Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. I'm Martin Tyler, and you're listening to Harry Simeon. Hey everybody, how's it going? Welcome back to the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast brought to you by 90 Min. Apologies uh, for the delay. I have no idea uh, what the issue was there. Big error message coming up every time I press go live, which is uh, typical, isn't it, when you're uh, already late for a stream. But a big hello to every single one of you uh, joining us in the live chat. hope you're all good. hope you're all well. Uh, it's Monday morning. I'm a little bit grumpy and I wanted to have a bit of a moan about the Moises Caicedo situation. And so uh, I felt like, yeah, let's jump on and do a stream. We probably will do a couple more around this subject uh, between now and the end of the transfer window, just a day left uh, of the transfer window, of course. So time is running out for Arsenal to bring in that defensive midfielder that I think we can all agree they desperately need if they're going to maintain uh, this title push. So some of you are saying in the chat, why are you grumpy? Well, I'm grumpy because I've woken up and I've read some absolutely ridiculous tweets uh, with regards to the Arsenal. People suggesting that Arsenal uh, just won't go that extra mile to bring the player in, that they're lowballing Brighton, that Arsenal are taking the mick with their offer, that it's uh, you know disrespectful to Brighton who have repeatedly said that the player is not for sale. Let's be honest about this. Arsenal have spent a lot of money over the last few years and they've done it without bringing very much in, in terms of transfer fees. So you can't really take shots at the ownership and say that this is because of them. You can't really uh, sort of criticise their ambition. The, the ambition is clearly there. Look at where Arsenal are at. Look at how much Arsenal have spent, as I say, over the last few years without bringing an awful lot in. They've done that to get Arsenal back towards the top of the Premier League. And so far, so good. It's worked. We're sitting pretty Five points clear at the top of the Premier League with an opportunity, if we win our game in hand, to stretch that lead over Manchester City to eight points. So you can't be too critical of the club's approach because, as I say, the results are there for everybody to see. But where I'm annoyed this morning and where I'm frustrated this morning is that people are sitting there saying, well, go out and pay that extra bit of money. Go out and make sure that Brighton accept our offer. Ultimately, you can't offer what you don't have. And I'm not saying that I know exactly what Arsenal have available to them, but obviously they want the player. Obviously, they're interested in signing him, but obviously there's a limit as to how far they can push this. It's like you going into a shop and, you know, wanting to buy a pair of trainers that, are, you know, you've got a £50 budget, but the ones you like are £80. It's easy for somebody to say to you, oh, go on, just spend that extra money. But if you don't have it, you don't have it. And that could well be the case with the Moises Caicedo thing. For people to sit there and say that Arsenal are low-balling Brighton, I think is one of the most ridiculous narratives that I've seen on social media over the last few weeks. And that is saying something. Arsenal have made a very, very fair offer uh, for this player. Arsenal have offered a package of around about £70 million for a player who's made less Premier League appearances than I've had birthdays. So what does that tell you? It tells you that actually Arsenal are being very fair. It tells you that actually... 
Arsenal are being very, very reasonable. And Arsenal are willing to go over what they probably the, believe the player is worth in order to try and get this deal done. Because this could be the final piece. This could be the piece that Mikel Arteta needs to really solidify our title challenge. I think what happened with Thomas Partey on Friday night was a bit of a warning sign. Uh, we understand that that injury is not as severe as first feared and there may be a chance of him featuring at Everton at the weekend, which would be great if that's the case. But still, it was a reminder of the fact that we're one injury away from a big, big problem in the centre of the park. So I want to see Arsenal go out and bring in a defensive midfielder as much as anybody else. But you can't be saying that Arsenal are low-balling Brighton. You can't be saying that Arsenal are being unreasonable or Arsenal are penny-pinching when they're willing to pay well over the odds for a player, yes, who has potential, but isn't at the highest level just yet. And this is the thing with the transfer market these days. There's obviously a lot of emphasis on potential and how much potential is worth to people. But potential can sometimes be unfulfilled. So you can't make up somebody's valuation based purely on their potential. There has to be the right balance between what they are as a player today and what they could be going forward. Obviously, he's very young. Um, and obviously, uh, you know, Brighton are going to look to take advantage of that. Brighton financially have done very, very well over the last few years. They've managed to bring in players for low amounts of money, uh, develop them, put them on the Premier League stage, showcase the ability and talents of those players. And then they've been able to go and get major money in for them. So, Brighton are not in a desperate financial situation whereby they have to buckle, but they can't equally say that Arsenal are taking the piss, as I said, with the offer, because I think it's more than reasonable. Whether he decides or whether Brighton decide to accept our offer between now and the end of the window, whether Arsenal will make another offer remains to be seen. I'd like to think and like to hope that Arsenal have an alternative in mind the way they did uh, for Mikhailo Mudrik, they had Leandro Trossard in mind and they got that deal wrapped up really, really quickly, uh, which is obviously a, a positive and gives me faith that when Arsenal know what they want and when, uh, you know, they can cough up the money, they, they will do things quickly. They don't drag their heels. They weren't trying uh, to drag that Trossard thing out. As soon as it was a, a possibility, they moved and they did it and they did it quickly. With Caicedo, obviously, it's different. You're talking about a much bigger amount of money. You're talking about a much greater risk. But you could be talking about the guy that makes the difference between Arsenal going out there and um, and winning the Premier League title this season and not. And look, if we went on to win the Premier League title with Moises Caicedo in the squad, nobody, not a single person, would look back at that deal and say it was a waste of money. But obviously, you know, that's easy to say when you're not the one fronting up the cash. That's easy to say when it's not you having to finance the deal. And, and that's the problem I've got with a lot of what Arsenal fans are saying online at the moment. It's, it's people saying, well, just go and spend the money. Arsenal have definitely got the money. First of all, how do you know what they've got available to them? You don't. Um, people referencing the fact that we were willing to pay uh, a bit more for, for Mikhailo Mudrik. First of all, attackers generally cost more money because they score goals. And that's the hardest thing to come by in football. So that's, you know, that's one way of looking at it. But the other thing is that since obviously moving away from the Mikhailo Mudrik deal, We've gone and brought Leandro Trossard in and we've signed Jakub Kivio from Spezia. So Arsenal have spent some of the money that they had available to them already. Let's see, you know, how far they can go. The fact that they are negotiating with Brighton, the fact that they have made a second bid, despite everybody saying that Brighton were unwilling to sell and that there was no chance of this deal getting done, says to me that Brighton, at least behind closed doors, haven't shut the door to the idea of Caicedo leaving. 
You know, the other thing is that Roberto De Zerbi, as we discussed on last night's stream, fronted up to the media ahead of and after the Liverpool game. And he too refused to rule out the possibility of a sale. So, you know, maybe Brighton won't cave, but for Arsenal to be making more offers, it means that they believe for some reason, whether rightly or wrongly, that there is a potential deal here to be done. The fact that the player came out and obviously made it public that he wanted to leave and, and put that statement out, I don't actually know if that's helped us. When I first saw it, I thought, good, you know, that's what you want. You want the player to really angle for the move. You want the player to put his club in a position where they feel like the best thing is to sell him because if his performances dip, which can happen when you're not fully focused, his value in the summer might no longer be what it is today. But actually, I wonder if that's put Brighton in a position where they're now even more determined to dig their heels in and stop this deal going through. I don't know. Um, they've signed a Swedish midfielder uh, a little while ago. Uh, I think that was announced at some point yesterday or, or that was revealed at some point yesterday. Are Brighton trying to get their ducks in order in case um, in case they do allow Caicedo to leave? I don't know, but... Arsenal believe this is the guy. Arsenal believe he is someone that can enhance the squad. Not only does he, as I say, potentially be that piece that we need now, but he's also someone that fits into the wider and long-term recruitment strategy because, of course, he is very young and he's got that potential that I've referenced. So the signing would make sense if you have to pay a little bit more to get it done in January, but it wins you the title, great. But as I keep on saying, it is easy to say that when you're not the one that has to front up the money. And so I don't want to be too harsh on the club. I think they've shown that they're ambitious. I think when you look at some of the signings they've made in recent years, uh, you know, they, they've shown that they've taken gambles on people that maybe us as fans didn't always feel was worth the money we were paying. Aaron Ramsdale, prime example of that. Ben White, how many people thought that £50 million was an extortionate price for him? But that's turned out to be a really good piece of business. So it's difficult, isn't it? It's really, really difficult. Um, to know what the right thing to do is here. But Arsenal are trying. They continue to push for this deal, despite uh, Brighton pushing back now on two occasions. Will there be a third bid going in? I wonder. I've seen rumours this morning that Yuri Tielemans could be back on the cards if Arsenal uh, don't find any sort of breakthrough with Brighton. But whatever the decision is, whatever it is that Arsenal look to do, we're running out of time and we've got to get things moving quickly and sooner rather than later. Uh, we'll get your thoughts and comments on this from the live chat box in just a couple of minutes, a, a slightly shorter stream today. Uh, this wasn't a planned one. This was me uh, deciding that I wanted to jump on and have a bit of a rant. But as I said right at the top of the show, you know, Moises Caicedo has played less Premier League games than I've had birthdays. So you'll have to forgive Arsenal, I think, if they decide that going further than £70 million for this player at this stage in his career is too big a gamble and too big a risk to take or simply something that they can't do financially. You've got to keep remembering, right? I keep saying this. We've spent so much money and we've brought in nothing. In terms of transfer fees, we have brought in nothing. Nothing at all. You know, Aubameyang, we spent all that money giving Aubameyang that contract only to have to terminate his deal because of what happened and, and let him go for free. You know, Mesut Ozil was another one on 350 grand a week that we had to move on for nothing. And we had to pay these people off. We've terminated so many people's contracts to fast track the rebuilding of this squad and get it back to where it needs to be and something more like what Mikel Arteta's looking for and wants. But 
that all comes at a cost. And at some point, the spending has to slow down. It isn't going to be 100 million plus every single transfer window. This is Arsenal Football Club. It's not Manchester City. It's not Chelsea. This is a club that has an ownership that is a lot more pragmatic, that is a lot more business-minded, and that isn't looking at this football club as a play toy in the way that City's owners look at their club or, or Paris Saint-Germain's owners look at theirs. Totally different ball game, And the way things have gone in terms of the transfer fees that Premier League clubs are now expected to deal with between them is crazy. It's gone nuts. And yeah, just because the market's gone nuts, it doesn't mean that you now put yourself in a situation that isn't sensible because you want to keep up with the Joneses. You make the moves that you feel are the right moves, but you've got to be smart and you've got to work within the budgets that you have available to you. And, you know, Mikel Arteta has said throughout the window, if we can do it, we will do it. If there's something that we think is, is um, you know, is uh, is going to enhance the group and we can do it, then we'll do it. But if we can't, we can't. And it's as simple as that, really. Um, and, and I just think, you know, when you're talking 70 million pound plus, you're talking about a hell of a lot of money. As Anton points out in the chat, uh, Chuameni cost Real Madrid £62 million. How the hell is Caicedo worth £70 million plus? And this is the point. The Premier League premium kicks in and it goes absolutely crazy. And there has to be a point where as a football club, you just say, look, we can't do this and you move on. You know, we have shown that we can get very, very good players for reasonable, about, reasonable amounts of money. Look at Gabriel Jesus, you know, £45 million signing. He's had an incredible impact. Is Moises Caicedo going to have double the impact of, of Gabriel Jesus? No, he's not. You know, you look at somebody like Gabriel Martinelli, cost Arsenal £6 million. You look at Granit Xhaka, cost us £35 million back in 2012, 2013, and it's probably still worth that now, even at 30 years old, even after all the stuff that happened with him. You look at, you know, Gabriel you know, you look at Saliba, you look at what all of those players cost and you look at how well they've done. It proves that you don't need to overpay for people. Um, not to the point that we're talking about here where you're going 70 plus million for someone who's relatively inexperienced in the Premier League, despite having played in the Premier League. People say he's Premier League proven. Yeah, he's done all right in the Premier League so far, but 26 appearances. Is that enough of a sample size to to? be able to say with confidence that a £70 million investment is worthwhile. I don't know. I don't know. Uh, Fraser says, but look at Chelsea. They're paying £120 million for Enzo Fernandez, And I get that. But Enzo Fernandez has been on a lot of people's radars for a long, long time. I didn't hear a single Arsenal player talk about Moises Caicedo until this month. You know, Enzo Fernandez has that reputation in Portuguese football. And on top of that, he went to the World Cup with Argentina, performed incredibly well, won the damn thing, that is obviously going to put uh, onto his um, valuation. Plus, Benfica have a release clause. Now, that is something that you see a lot more commonly on the continent. And it's something that works quite well for these clubs because it's almost a benchmark for them. Often you see them do deals at lower than that. But yeah, I mean, I mean, 120 million is extortionate. But I'm not sitting here justifying that transfer fee, am I? I'm just saying that the Caicedo one is mad. Uh, Jimmy says, uh, you're paying premium for it being in January and the fact that we need the player. And most clubs don't want to let go of their player at this stage of the window. It's bad planning. Yeah, I, I accept that you have to pay a premium, but I'd still argue that 
you're probably paying a premium of 30 million pounds or so based on what he's probably actually worth in the market. And this is the point. This is what I don't understand about Brighton. Listen, I'm not digging them out. They've got every right to dig their heels in. It's their player. They can do as they please with him. You know, he's contracted to, to the Seagulls. They will do what they feel is right. But people keep saying to me that the reason Brighton don't want to let him go is because Brighton want a challenge for Europe, because Brighton getting into Europe would financially be huge for the football club. Okay, so Brighton keep Moises Caicedo. There's no guarantee that they get into Europe with him. But there's a guarantee that if they sell him, that they get the finances that would have come from a European qualification anyway. So if you're a businessman, you'd make the sale because then you're guaranteed that money as opposed to relying on Roberto De Zerbi and your players to maintain their level of performance um, right until the end of the season and get you into the European places. So as a businessman, this is less of a gamble for Brighton. So that whole, you know, financial thing that comes with European football, that doesn't wash with me. I Today's episode is sponsored by NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. NerdWallet's trusted financial journalists use fact-based reporting for some much-needed clarity in the finance world, helping you make smarter decisions with your money. The nerds have helped me get smarter about things like planning for my tax bills so I don't dread April every year, producing a balanced budget, not just for football, and saving on travel because spending less on airfares means more money for an extra night and maybe a fancy dinner too. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money podcast on your favourite podcast app. Future you will thank you. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill agree though that from a football perspective that would be amazing for them and maybe Tony Bloom looks at it that way as opposed to from the financial standpoint but let's not pretend that this doesn't make sense for Brighton when it comes to money because it absolutely does um v-dub says that maybe Tielemans is the best option after all this time what would he cost right now it's interesting with Yuri Tielemans because I feel like if Arsenal wanted to do this they'd have done it already they've had so many opportunities to do this deal um, perhaps they're waiting for him at the end of the season because, of course, he'll be available on a free. And I've said to you guys before that I think you'll see a lot more players nowadays uh, willing to run their contracts down because that means that when a move does happen, they benefit from it rather than having the club in the middle. And I think Yuri Tielemans will probably be putting the feelers out. His representatives will probably be talking to clubs and, and there'll be some conversation around a signing on fee that, as I say, instead of being exchanged between... Arsenal and Leicester in the form of a transfer fee would go straight into his pocket, straight into his representative's pocket. And that would make sense. Arsene Wenger called this years ago. He said that this would be a much more common thing down the line. And here we are, we're starting to see it. Uh, Cass says, this always happens to Arsenal. First, it was Vlavic, then Douglas Luiz, Mudrik, and now Caicedo. It's crazy. Midfield cover for Partey and Elneny should have been sorted in the summer. I agree with you. In an ideal world, Arsenal would have done this at the start of the season. And when we talked about the summer window, the, the big problem I had was that that was an area that it felt to me like we'd slightly overlooked. Now, people made the case that Zinchenko was that cover 
that Zinchenko was the one that would play in that deeper lying midfield role with Kieran Tierney at left back in the event that we lost Thomas Partey. And that might still be a possibility. Mikel Arteta might still look at that and think, you know what, that's that's doable. And it's smarter than going and spending £70 million on a player that's probably worth 40 at best. So I kind of got it. But yeah, there was a, a feeling among the Arsenal fan base and a feeling that I had personally that we did miss a trick there. You know, we missed out on a winger in the summer as well. We managed to address that in January. But the midfield position has been one that I've been concerned about for a little while. And so to overlook it in the summer was probably a mistake and to potentially miss out on one this window as well could be a mistake that goes on to cost us. Uh, Henry Gunnar says, good morning, H. I hope uh, if they can get him, no problem. But if not, Walkaways only played 26 times. I completely agree with that. Uh, Name says, um, LFC tried to buy Kaiseido for £40 million six months ago. He's not new on the block. Okay, so they tried to buy him for £40 million six months ago. Has his value doubled in six months? On what basis has his value doubled in six months? It hasn't. It hasn't doubled because he's played 26 Premier League games in his entire career. His valuation has not doubled. It shouldn't have doubled. This is a club, knowing the position they're in, knowing that there are clubs out there that are willing to go that extra mile and at times go over the top and trying to play hardball. If they want £90 million for Moises Caicedo, they can think again because he's not worth that. No Chaser TV says, Harry, I get your argument about going too far with the finances, but would you argue there are other viable options to fill that six role that we can get in the next 24 hours or so? It's difficult to say. There could be someone on the radar that we haven't even considered as fans. You know, Arsenal do like to work like that. But, you know, it's all good saying, go and get the player now, go and get the player now. But if that's a deal that's going to prevent you bringing in a long-term signing or someone that you really feel is is worth that money in the summer, then do you really want to do it for the sake of six months? I know I keep saying that we need to build for the now and stop being obsessed with the future. But let's say for argument's sake, that Declan Rice is available in the summer. And that's going to cost £100 million. Let's just say for argument's sake. If signing Moises, if paying over the top for Moises Caicedo means that you can't get rice in the summer, would you, would you take it? Or would you make do knowing that you can get a player that a lot of people feel is the best option in the summer? That's the question you've got to ask yourself. I'm not a massive Declan Rice fan. I don't think he's as good as people make out. Certainly don't think he's worth £100 million. But the point I'm trying to make here is that Arsenal will look at a transfer target. They'll assess how good they think that player is and they will set a price in their own mind that they're willing to go up to. And they won't exceed that. They've shown that over the years. They won't exceed that. So why are people expecting them to do that now? That is part of their recruitment strategy. It's part of their movement back towards self-sustainability. It's about setting their own valuations of players, seeing if they can get deals done within those price ranges. And if not, they move on. We saw them move on with Rafinha when that went crazy. Obviously, he wanted Barcelona, but Arsenal were not going to be bullied into going beyond what they believed was fair for the player. It was the same with Mikhailo Mudrik. So why is it going to be any different with, with Moises Caicedo? Arsenal are hoping that him pushing from his side is going to cause Brighton to crumble in the late stages of this window. 
maybe if nothing happens today, Arsenal might say, well, let's whack a little bit more on top to get this deal done between now and the window closing. I don't know. We're going to have to see how this plays out. But yeah, it's, um, you know, the, the the later you do it as well in the window, the, the harder it is for the selling club to recover from that. So I get that as well. But even with all of that factored in, the offer that Arsenal have made is more than fair. It really, really is. Just a quick reminder, if you haven't done so already, please uh, do leave a like on the video. It really, really does help. There's over 500 of you uh, with me live right now. We've only got 76 likes on the board. There's no reason why we shouldn't have at least 250. So smash the like button, subscribe to the channel if you're new as well. Uh, it really, really does help. And just a quick reminder uh, that we spoke over the weekend about me launching another YouTube channel where we'll be able to cover a wider range of footballing topics. The link is in the description. Um, we want to get to a thousand subscribers before we officially launch it. Not a million miles away from that, thanks to all your wonderful support. So if you haven't done that already, please do subscribe. And of course, if you want to check out the Chronicles of Aguna on the Another Slice platform and get access to our exclusive content, you can do that as well via the link in the description. So thank you uh, for all your support. Okay. Um, what else have we got in the live chat box? Uh, let's take a couple more questions and then we're going to briefly talk about Marquinhos, who is said to be closing in on a loan move away from Arsenal. Uh, that is expected to be done uh, before the window closes. But Tom says, Harry, at this stage, shouldn't we stop pursuing any lead that involves negotiations with club and exclusively target players under release clauses? Only them need to convince, uh, sorry, only them to convince to secure the deal. Yeah, I mean, I'm assuming that you're referring to the Real Sociedad midfielder Zubimendi, who's been linked with a move to Arsenal. We know that he's got a release clause. We know that based on what we've offered for Moises Caicedo, we can afford to trigger that release clause. But it seems that the player doesn't want to leave at this point. He wants to stay with his club until the end of the season. And that puts us in a difficult position because we need someone who can help us now. Yeah, of course, we want to stick to the long-term recruitment strategy, but ideally we need a midfielder who can come in and help the team now. So maybe that's one to revisit in the summer. Maybe that's one to, you know, speak to the player about and try and hash out personal terms, you know, ahead of the summer, knowing that you can do the deal with the club because that release clause is in place. Um, but, you know, th these are circumstances that you're describing and, and you can't allow circumstances to push you into signing the wrong players. If you're Mikel Arteta, if you're Edu, you know what you want. You know who that is. You know who would bring that to your club. And you've got to make the best effort possible to bring them in. I'd always prefer Arsenal to move for players that they feel are definitely going to make the difference as opposed to um, as opposed to someone that you're taking a bit of a risk on that you yourself are not totally convinced on. Uh, Cheryl says, I'm taking a bitter swipe at PSG and City. Um she says the playthings whose value and success has hugely increased since they were bought. Question mark. They are actual businessmen running these clubs. Take a breath. They're not businessmen. They've been run by sports washers. Both of those clubs. If we're being completely honest, that's what it is. Why are we hiding uh, behind it? Why are we pretending that Roman Abramovich was this, you know, this hero that came and rescued Chelsea? He was putting all his money for it. And, and look what happened in the end with Roman Abramovich. Look what's, uh, you know, look at all the coverage around the Saudi ownership of Newcastle. You know, let's not pretend that there are no issues with these ownerships and let's not pretend that everything is good. I'm not saying that 
you know, Arsenal's owners are necessarily, uh, necessarily, I beg your pardon, ethically the best people in the world. I'm not saying that. All I'm saying is, if you've got an owner that is a, has multiple sports franchises and runs them as businesses, that's not the same as having a, a state own you, essentially, that can put all sorts of crazy money through and um, and essentially have no limits. You know, that it's totally different. It's not... Fair play to Chelsea, right? You know, they've gone out and they've won things under Roman Abramovich. Fair play to Paris Saint-Germain, who were not a very relevant club until this ownership took over. Manchester City were definitely not a relevant club prior to the ownership taking over. Manchester City were knocking about in the championship. I remember going to Main Road to play Manchester City off the park. I remember when they had Sean Goater up front, not Sergio Aguero. So let's not pretend that these are great historical clubs that have you know, developed over time, we've done things the right way. They hit the jackpot with big ownership coming in and their success is is a byproduct of that. Uh, let's take this one from Matt who says, uh, I find the conversation about his value strange. Is he worth £80 million? Probably not. Is £80 million good value for us to still play the same way we do if Partey is out? I'd say yes. Okay, Matt, I agree with that. But, there's no guarantee that he's as well, he's not as good as Thomas Partey. Let's be honest. He's not today at 21 years old at the same level as Thomas Partey. Is he th in theory the same player? Is he stylistically a similar player? He's more similar than the options we have available to us. I get that. But as I said right at the beginning of the show, if you don't have 80 million, how do you offer 80 million? I've been into shops loads of times and looked at things that I really wanted to buy, but they were out of my budget. Now, I can't just sit there and say, oh, you know what, go on then, I'll do it because, you know, I'm, it's something I really want. I'll push the boat out. Yeah, if you've got that money knocking about and laying about, great, do it. But if you don't, you don't. And I honestly believe that Arsenal uh, are limited in what they can spend in this window because of the deals they've done for Trossard and Kivio and because of the financial results of recent seasons. We've taken a big gamble to get ourselves back in the Champions League. It looks as though that's going to pay off. But that money that we're going to receive for getting back in the Champions League, I think, has already been spent over the past couple of seasons. So, yeah, it's, it's as I keep saying, it's much easier said than done. Um, let's see what else we've got. Uh, Raul says, hi, Harry. Do you think knowing that we need a midfielder throughout the transfer window is poor planning from Edu that we're going for one in the last five days? I think you could make that case and you could make that argument, but who's to say that Arsenal haven't been working behind the scenes to try and do a deal for a midfielder um, without us being aware of it. This is the thing, you know, we pretend as fans and we like to think that we know everything. But often we don't. Often we don't know the ins and outs, you know. Often deals are done for, let's take the Fabio Vieira deal, for example. I think that's probably the most recent example of one that none of us had any idea was in the pipeline. Jakob Kivio, who knew about that? Nobody. Obviously, conversations have been going on for a little while. So you can't say definitely that you know Arsenal weren't trying. Sometimes that's the way it works. I said to you guys right at the top of the window that it's likely that you see more movement towards the end of it because that's just the way it goes. When it gets to a point where both sides are panicking in terms of getting the deal done, that's when compromises are made and that's when those deals then materialise. Um. Right, let me just quickly touch on the Marquinhos stuff and then we're going to leave you uh, to enjoy the rest of your day. We might be back later depending on what happens and how uh, this develops. But just a quick reminder, if you haven't done so already, leave a like on the video. Over 600 live right now, uh, just 115 likes on the board. Come on. Um, 
let's uh, let's try and get it up to uh, at least 300. Should be light work. Okay, um, Marquinhos looks as though he's on his way to Norwich City on loan for the remainder of the season. Now, I think this is the right thing. I think that Marquinhos needs to play football. I think Norwich is a pretty good place for him to go as well. Play a decent style of football, a big championship club. Uh, yeah, I'd really like to see uh, how Marquinhos gets on at Norwich. I think it's a good fit for him. The championship will get him accustomed to Premier League football, uh, to English football, I should say, as well, because stylistically it's it's even more frantic, it's even more physical, um, and I think that you know he'll benefit from from going there and sort of toughening up a little bit. But I think a loan move for Marquinhos was always the plan. I think that was the plan when we signed him. What happened was that we failed to get a winger in in the summer, and then of course there was the problems with Emil Smith-Rowe and so Arsenal felt that they couldn't let him go because it would leave them too short, which is probably a bit unfortunate for him because, as I say, he could really do with going out and playing regularly. So I always felt that this was a possibility in this window. Arsenal have done very well in recent times to identify the right clubs for players for them to go out on loan. So you look at following Balogun, another goal last night for Rems against Paris Saint-Germain in the Parc de Prince, a last-minute equaliser for them. He's doing brilliantly because Arsenal have found the right place for him. And I think that Norwich is the right place for Marquinhos. So I'm really looking forward to seeing how he gets on and how he develops, of course, uh, for the remainder of the season. And hopefully he can return to Arsenal in the not too distant future and be impactful for us. Or he has a value that we can sell him for. And and that's part of Arsenal moving to a, a self-sustaining model is to be able to, you know, buy players that, have value or that you can build value around. Um, so, yeah, let's see how that goes. Um, right. I am going to leave it there. Thank you all so, so much for joining. Again, don't forget to leave a like on the video. Don't forget to subscribe to the channel if you are new. Uh, it really, really does help. Also, check us out on another slice. Subscribe uh, to my other YouTube channel, which you'll find the link for in the description. And I will see you all uh, tonight, depending on uh, on how things go. And, um, and depending on if there's any news, fingers crossed there is, because as I say, time is running out. We'll probably do a couple of streams on transfer deadline day. So make sure your notifications are turned on. And if you're listening on audio, please do leave us a review. Until next time. Goodbye. I'm Martin Tyler, and you're listening to Harry Simeon. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.